welcome back to the Echoing Christ podcast. Today, myself and Kinzer are going to give an account of the evangelical encounters we had in the last week. Um, Just being able to talk with unbelievers who we have no clue who they are, but we still gave an account for the gospel. Yeah, so just buckle in and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Echoing Christ podcast with your host, Alex Schmidlap. I'm in the room with Kinzer Havel and Riley Lunsford. How are you guys today? Great. I caught up on my sleep, feeling good, got my aminos. <laughs> Kinzer? I am, I'm feeling pretty well, pretty good here. Um, yeah, I had a great week, solid week of... Uh, being poured into uh, by faithful men of the word, as we're going to get into. But yeah, just thankful for the Lord's encouragement this week. Absolutely. It is a beautiful 64 degrees out on this Friday in Hanover, Indiana. So one thing I did actually want to talk to you two about before we jump into our topics for today. Um, Do you guys read anything or hear anything outside of your conference that you gentlemen were at this week anything interesting in the in the word or just common reoccurrence i guess because i have something to talk about after you gentlemen um yeah i mean i've i've been reading that uh, or we've just been meditating on that becoming something um podcast leader at jp um jonathan pacluda yep um and he has been talking about uh marriage and i've been kind of I'm meditating back through some verses in First Corinthians, and uh, he was just commenting on all the um, negative impacts of on the society and on uh, strains of marriages that happen when you actually go away from God's design. Uh, so I've just been uh, meditating on God's good design in marriage, um, husbands leading their wives, uh, wives uh, submitting to their husbands, and then uh, raising up godly children and just how that actually is a picture of the gospel what what we're all about so one way we can echo christ is actually by um obeying god's designs so like that's another way that maybe not even opening your mouth but people seeing your life um and even even in dating how do i do that biblically Uh, so that's something that i've been kind of milling through and meditating on lately I don't know if mine counts. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't conference mandated listening or reading. It was a book that I bought at the conference, so it was the same time, but uh bought a, one of the first books I bought went on a little bit of a spree, but it was the history of John Calvin. So I'm getting some information on some of the people who kind of turned the tide of Christianity mm-hmm. during the Middle Ages. So, one interesting fact, I guess, he was French, probably a lot of people know that, but his name wasn't John Calvin, that's more of an English adaptation, it's like Jean Calvin, (laughs) there's no hard L's, H noise, H whatever, yeah, that's... That's, That's what it. I learned. That's <laughs> so, for myself, and this is, it's interesting because I've ran into this before where I've asked someone about something or I've heard something or read it, and then throughout that week or over the next couple of weeks, it continues to pop up. 
And so Kinzer and I have actually kind of had a conversation about this before, but um, spiritual gifts, um, most particularly the spiritual gift of faith, um, which, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to think about that that's a gift because as Christians, we're supposed to have faith, right? Like, I mean, so, I mean, we know that there's the gift of like healing, speaking in tongues, evangelism, and not everybody gets these gifts, but if we should all have faith, how is that a spiritual gift? Because as it says, not everybody, there's not one person that mm-hmm. on earth that has all spiritual gifts. Now, just a quick thing for anybody that doesn't know or might be not might be sure about spiritual gifts. If you are a Christian, you do have spiritual gifts. And I would say, and Kinzer, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think it is your responsibility to try to figure out what your spiritual gifts are so that you can use them to the fullest of your ability. So in speaking specifically, um, where to look for them if you're curious, um, you can find them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. Um, Specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, going to verse 7, it says, Now each one of you is a manifestation of the Spirit, um, is is given for the common good. To have one, to have, to one there is given through a spirit, a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by a means of the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit, to another one gifts of healing, by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another an interpretation of tongues. All of these are a work of the one and the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one of us, or each one just as He determines. So, I was going through the story of Job and my own personal reading, and I mean, when when you know the story of Job, it's probably the greatest story of faith in the Bible. I mean, mm-hmm. has no clue why these things are happening to him. Not sure if he has some un. I guess hidden sin I guess is the way that he would word it and um, his friends are trying to basically talk to him through it and so I'm I'm reading that on my own um, and then I'm listening to the Becoming Something podcast and one of the episodes is spiritual gifts and the one they focus on is faith and they start talking about it and um, the book I'm reading at the same time is by Costi Hinn, who's the nephew of uh, Benny Hinn, who is a prosperity gospel person. Um, in the in his book, though, it's called God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel. And on one of the pages, he actually references the story of Job. And so I'm, I'll read that from you, and then I'll kind of talk about where I came to from that. So it's the sovereignty of God versus the prosperity gospel. And he said, it is important that we take a moment to understand what it means that God is sovereign. For the Christian believing that God is sovereign, it is one thing, but living in the light of that truth can sometimes feel like a doctoral doctoral wrestling match, particularly if you have been raised in the prosperity gospel. The Bible clearly teaches us that our God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. That's Psalms 115.3. Paul was under the guidance of the Holy Spirit when he told Christians in Ephesus that God... Yeah. That God works in all things um, after the counsel of his will. And that's Ephesians 1.11. So, when Job was going through hell on earth, 
Uh, he says, losing his health, wealth, even his children. His response to God after questioning him was not to curse him, but to submit to his sovereignty. In the unprecedented response to the worst suffering a person can bear, Job said to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Therefore, I have declared what I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I have heard you by hearing of the ear, and now by my eyes see, my eyes see you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. And that's Job 42, verses 2 and 3 and 5 and 6. And it says, after going through everything he went through, Job questioned God, but quickly realized that there are things in his life and um, he may never fully understand. So he took solace in knowing that God was in control of the outcome and, and was sovereign in the midst of his pain. So one of those things I, I think we, we miss sometimes is we're not going to understand everything that we're going through and why it's happening. But we also should know as Christians that God has a plan for us and we have to trust in that plan. And so I think that's where that gift of faith comes in because you, you will run into some of those people. And JP tells a story where this woman's <coughs> husband died saving a kid from drowning. And they, they asked her and they said and the only response she had was like Costi talks about from the book of Psalms. My God is in heaven. He does as he pleases. And that's, and that's all you need to know. Like trust in him, understand that he has a plan and, and it's okay from there. And I think it, it makes things easier when you understand you're not in control and he is and just have faith in God that he's going to get you through whatever you're going through. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a verse in Deuteronomy, um, forgetting the reference right now, but it says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children. So the way Martin Luther puts it is he said, God does things with both hands, but his right hand he has in front of him, but his left hand is behind his back, and we don't get to see that. So there is going to be some mystery, like Alex referenced there with Job. At the end of the day, you, we do not learn why Job suffered. Um, you're, we're left in mystery, and we're left in a mystery that leads us to trust because that is at the heart of God that we would trust in his heart um, and and we're saved by grace through our faith and faith is according to J.I. Packer this this empty hand uh, it's, it's putting out an empty hand to God and God is the one who will grab you out of the uh, the mire and the uh, darkness that you are in um, but faith is simply reaching out to God faith itself is just kind of like a think of it as like a, a plane or something that gets you to God it's not um, actually what's what's saving you um, God is the one who who saves you by his grace um, but yeah that's that's very very helpful and with the gift of faith some people just can just pour into you trust into God. I know some people who uh, I think have the gift of faith um, and they just whenever you're in the when you're like blind because of your suffering then you um, when suffering increases you're more tempted to focus on the suffering and not God 
Um, but people with the gift of faith can just come in and like a catalyst, just like a boom, like trusting God. Like that was the, that was what Barnabas was like. He was a an encourager and had a gift of faith, and he just brought people back to God. Um, Riley, do you have anything on it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's okay. It's just like a lot of people blame like that are outside of the faith. Mm-hmm. They just blame like like you were saying mm-hmm. like. The husband died. It's like, why does God let good things happen to, or bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. And uh, did you say it was R.C. Sproul? Sproul. Who was he? The one that said, "There's only one person who ever did anything good. He died on the cross. There's only one good human." Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like when people say, "Why do bad things happen to good people?" <laughs> R.C. Sproul responded to that by saying that only happened once and he was crucified. Because no one is good except for God. And the only God man was Jesus Christ. So, yeah. And so, yeah, you might have to check back um, in a couple weeks, see if I figured out what was supposed to be um, explained to me with that. Or maybe I'll never understand, but I just need to walk in faith better. Maybe, maybe that's what's trying to be explained to me. But one thing I will say... Um, and it's kind of funny, maybe that, and maybe that's not the right word, but when we talk about spiritual gifts, just because you don't have the spiritual gift of teaching doesn't mean that you shouldn't teach. Just because you don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism don't doesn't mean you shouldn't try to evangelize. Like, It might not be what comes naturally to you, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to do it. I mean, so... That's just one thing I would like to make sure that you guys listening to us do understand. Just because you might not be the most apt in that area, that might not be your spiritual gift from God, doesn't mean that it's like, okay, cool, I don't have it, so I don't have to do it. No, that's not what we're saying. You still need to try to teach people about God's Word and still try, try to evangelize. Like It might not come naturally to you like it would for someone with the gift, but you still have a responsibility to do yes. it. Yeah, like... Like a basketball player, you know, they're famed, like a professional basketball player. They're just good at what they do. They're agile. They're, they're flying through the air. They're making shots. They, and that's that's what they're skilled at. That's what they've, you know, been practicing. That's what they've been doing basically their whole life. And that's what they've been training for. But, you know, they're not famed for exercising or weightlifting, but they still have to do it to achieve or to still help them move on in their basketball career. So it's like, sure, you might not enjoy it as much or you're not as good at it, but you still have to do it to ultimately bring people to Christ so that if you are a teacher, like, we're going to get into some evangelism between me and Kinzer, you know. Not really the rock stars of the show, mm-hmm. but it's like you still have to be out there. You know, you still have to grow your congregation. You still have to grow God's kingdom, even if your gift is, like the way I always explain it is like, I'm not good at reaching people who don't know or like that don't accept the Bible as truth just mm-hmm. because it's hard to talk to them because it's like, well, this could be true and this could be true. But you still have to get them there. You have to get them to the pew in church on Sunday. So you have to step out of your comfort zone, step out of your expertise, and just accept that you're you're still human, they're still human, and they're an eternal being, and they're going to end up somewhere. So you want to bring them towards Christ so that you can exercise what you're skilled at more. 
but you might have to get through some non-expert moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it might be because you have to obey the Bible, even if you don't have gifts, mm-hmm. uh, the gift of the evangelist. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still called to go and make disciples, all of us, to all the nations. <coughs> um, but I think maybe the emphasis would be if you don't have a particular gift, you probably shouldn't be mm-hmm. equipping other people in the church mm-hmm. to, you know, like, you still have to obey, but maybe not as a, an equipping aspect of the church. So moving along, um, but staying along the lines of evangelism, um, I unfortunately was not there to get to partake in this um, with Kinzer and Riley, but last Saturday you guys went to Comic-Con up in Indianapolis and as an, like, an outreach to some of these people who might not have ever heard the gospel and, and to take an opportunity to evangelize uh, with them. So I'd like to, um, for the podcast and for myself even, because I haven't got to speak to you two about it much, um, just tell me a little bit about the experience and some takeaways that you had from it. Um, yeah, so I haven't been on the evangelizing scene too many times. I mean, there's a couple mission trips, but in that you're like building up. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to. I know a year in advance what I'm going to do. And I have a whole team with me, and we're, the rest of the day that we're not evangelizing, we're building each other up and, you know, reading the Bible, being like, okay, we're praying for this. And, you know, you, there's a whole bunch of prayer over it. And it's like, no, we just went up for one afternoon, slash, like, morning, midday, whatever. We went up to the convention center in Indy. A lot of non believers. We were very much outnumbered. <clears throat> And so, it's like, so intimidating. Because, like, you're not necessarily going to the people. Like, you're knocking on doors. And you're like, hey, where are the... Like, my, my past in evangelism has been on, like, mission trips where we're working at a house. It's like, hey, we're with this group. You know, we're well-known. We come about every year. Uh, look what we're doing. You know, this is because Christ has called us to do this this, this, and this. Like, we're not seeking out other people. We are going into the, the quote-unquote lion's den. It's mm-hmm. like, there are people just ready to, to defend atheism. They're not just going to be turning down our offers to go to church on, on the next Sunday. They're like, we hate Christianity. Mm-hmm. At, at one point, so kind of set up the scene, we did not go to the actual convention. We were out where people, there's a surprising amount of people, if you've never been to one of these, that don't pay. They just stand around and kind of talk with people, you know, common interests, and they, they don't have money, so they're just out there. They're just walking around. And you also catch people who are traveling in or out of the building from the convention. So we had a Gideon with us, so he's skilled in evangelism. So he's telling us to hand out these Bibles and tracts, and so we, somebody else in the group, there, there was probably about like seven of us. One person in the group had just put a Bible by a bathroom because there would often be people just sitting outside of bathrooms and just against the wall in general. And a person came up, they passed the Bible, they came back, picked up the Bible, and we're like, okay. And then promptly threw it away right in front of our eyes. 
<laughs> and it was very discouraging to just like I've never had the experience with that you know I'm the younger Christian but like never had the experience where it's like oh these people just up and rejected and hate Christianity they've, they've rejected my whole purpose of being it's like wow like, that's eye opening to like the state of the world they do not want Christianity they're mad at it so many people when you just offer to be a nice Christian and you're like hey so what's your viewpoint on spiritual or like Christianity just get cussed out told to leave it's it's crazy so it's it's disheartening but at the same time the Bible tells us to expect it so it's like yeah we will be rejected among men for our, our faith <coughs> and so we did we did have some prosperity there uh, prosperity gospel obviously <laughs> looking at the book title right now but like <laughs> Uh, we did we did have some positive. I believe one person was confirmed afterwards still. Like, they, they confessed Christ there. I, I believe they had a Catholic background. Mm -hmm. And it was... Uh, I could see them, like, coming up to us, and then they would walk back, and then they would just kind of sit by us. And so finally we... <clears throat> the Gideon that was with us uh, went and talked to him for probably about, like, 20, 20 30 minutes. He's like, yeah... I was a Catholic, raised up, and I don't really know what to believe. And he's just kind of there by himself. So I believe he did confess. Yeah, he confessed Christ. We prayed over him. And we had one of those. We had kind of like a con false conversion slash like rushed just because you, you only have a certain amount of time. And you're like, at a certain point, you're like, are we really? Like, can there be a share of salvation? Because it's like 30 minutes and you're like, Oh, I gotta gotta go do this. Gotta go do that. Gotta leave. It's like it it is hard. It's hard to know if they're gonna have fruit or <clears throat> keep the faith just because it's so fast. You know, like, mm -hmm. okay. if they're this person, this type of person to accept something so quickly, how mm -hmm. easily are they gonna forget it? Mm -hmm. And we kind of did have one of those situations, and Kinder, Kinzer can mm -hmm. give more light to that. But yeah, just a completely. I was completely out of my comfort zone, I'll say that. <laughs> I didn't do too much on the evangelism part, but I was walking around, like, just, like, learning how to do it. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we, we took a good group of uh, students from our youth group, and uh, some of them were believers, some of them weren't, so we even had unbelievers uh, passing out Scripture. And, and the main goal of this was to plant seeds and if God gave growth right then, phenomenal, and we would see it. Um, but, I mean, Paul will say, you know, I planted Apollos, another guy watered, but God gives the growth. So we were out there planting. We were throwing seed down, all right? So that was a, looked like hard ground, if yeah. you know what I mean, like well, very not I, fertile. I told, like, some people were disheartened, and they're like, these people cussed us out, these people left, these people asked us to leave. It's like... If they're expelling that great of an emotion at the mention mm -hmm. of the gospel, that they're going to remember that encounter just because it's something so that yeah. they they rejected so hard. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, just like what Kinzer said, we're just leaving seeds, mm -hmm. and what happens with those is up to God. Exactly, it might take ten or fifteen years, or mm -hmm. maybe they never accept, but they will remember yeah. that 
Yeah, and we have a we have a brother at our church who looks very much like Mr. Clean. If you know who Mr. Clean is, wears all white, um, is bald and pretty muscular, uh, has a little gold earring. And we have a brother who actually initiated this, and he dresses up like Mr. Clean. Everyone at these comic cons are dressed up as some kind of character, and he has an origin story of his salvation through Mr. Clean, and he has a bunch of people come up to him, take pictures, and then he will give them this gospel track. Um, but but that's just all this planting of seeds and just allowing God's word to work on the back of the tract is just so much Bible and so much hope. Um, but, but when you go into this, there, there's a verse that I've been uh, thinking about when Riley was talking. This is 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, verse 14, says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the Bible says that natural man, before he is saved, does not want God, and he can't even understand God. They might want some of the benefits of God, Mm -hmm. but they do not want God. People will say, well, they're seeking God. No, they're not. They might be seeking some benefits of God. The natural man is that an enemy of God, actually. So so what we're literally going into is into war. Mm -hmm. When you are going to proclaim the gospel whether you're in a coffee shop, whether you're outside of Walmart, whether it's even in your own family, you are entering into spiritual warfare. That heart is guarded by Satan and demons. And Satan, if he's a cherub, they were guardian angels. He's a guardian angel, so he guards his own. So so we entered into spiritual warfare. At one point, when we went to go eat lunch, our, our Gideon brother uh, stayed back and was going to do some evangelism on his own. And he called us and said that he was being spiritually attacked. He needed his other brothers. He needed his other brothers and sisters in Christ to surround him because um, people and he felt spiritual entities were, were coming um, his way. Um, we, we were mocked. We were... Um, spoken reviled as jesus would say um when we were praying uh, people were just mocking us a lot we we circled up and prayed i realize now that my my uh illustration to the lion's den was false because the lion's mouths were closed these people Mm. (laughs) were very opinionated (laughs) hated christianity yeah um and and we had a few like riley had mentioned some uh, people who almost got physical and were very verbally almost abusive. Um, but we are no more like Christ when we suffer for the sake of the kingdom. Absolutely. And that's, that is where you experience joy. Like it's crazy what Jesus says. Like he says, rejoice and be glad when people persecute you and say all kinds of false things <coughs> about you for my name's sake. Like, and then right after that, he says, be salt. You are the salt of, be the light of the world. Like, you be, you are salt and you are light most distinctly when you are being persecuted. That's when you're shining forth. That's when you give taste. That's when we, we are fulfilling 
what it means to be a Christian in, in an exiled world. We, we are doing evangelism as exiles. There's a great book. I would offer this to uh, anyone reading or anyone listening and someone who loves to read Christian literature. Uh, it's a book by Elliot Clark called Evangelism as Exiles. And he's talking to m- most people in, in an American setting and saying it's not a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. We're living in a post-Christian nation. And we need to learn how to not fight through governmental structures, but fight through the church. And we need to fight with the gospel and not necessarily conservative values. Now, conservative values are biblical, and we should fight for those, but that's not how the world is going to be saved. The world, the only thing that cuts through the deep, icy waters of a dead heart is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is, our citizenship is in heaven. I mean, that's exactly what scripture says. We're, we're not first citizens of America. We are citizens in heaven. And, and we experience that uh, very, very acutely. So two, two more questions I do have, um, as I myself would love to take an opportunity to get to evangelize. So um, what advice would you give to people wanting to learn and what to expect and then also what have you learned from this experience that would better equip you to be ready next time this opportunity comes around know your crowd that was a big problem at the common con that we had no idea what to talk about with these people and sure we had like some brothers at our church that could have been useful they were out of town so we just did not do our research at all and I mean do as much as you can but like if you're going into a sinful place there's obviously going to be sinful they're going to know a lot about sinful things if that causes you to sin don't do it but like this might not be the best scenario to do your homework but in general know what the people you're going to be evangelizing to are interested in as as best as you can. Yeah, um, I mean, in, in one sense, knowing your audience can, can be important. I mean, the, the scripture would kind of already tell us to an extent that we do know our audience. We know their greatest need, and we know their, their greatest fears. So we know their greatest need is the gospel. We know that their greatest fears are going to be death, and then also the results of sin. So I guess advice in speaking to people, I mean, like I just went up with people and was like, so what's your costume? You know, just like starting the conversation. Why are you here? What's going on? Um, and then asking, you know, something like, you know, I'm just out here talking to people about what's true about the Lord. Um, pause it. Sorry, we just had to stop and, and relocate, but we're, we're back. So speaking about um, you know, just conversational uh, pieces, getting in there, talking to people, asking them why they're there. Um, I, I kind of would ask if they had any church background and uh, lots of them would say, well, I used to go to church, but, you know, they they said being gay was a sin. I had three or four young ladies who told me that, and like, like oh my goodness, how did I come back from that? And I answered it differently a few times, but, you know, something like, well, the Bible actually teaches that 
all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's there's many sins. Um, I have sinned in in multiple ways, and just see how they respond to that. Um, and I'd, I'd also to try to get them to Jesus would be something like, um, you know, if God designed us, do you think that God has a right to tell us how to live? Does the Creator have a right to tell His creatures the way that He's designed to their life and the design? And you know, sometimes they'd say, "Yeah, I get what you're saying." Other times they just wouldn't really be interested in talking about that. And then if if they said, "Well, I I, I was born gay. This is how I am. How could God not accept me?" You know, something like that in there. And then then I would say, "So you're saying like what God has said in Scripture is wrong." And they'd say, yes, and then I would ask, you know, by what ground, or how did you come to that conclusion? Why do you think God is wrong? What are you basing your morality on? And at the end of the day, you can get them to realize it's their opinion, what they think, what they prefer, and you can drive them back to God and try and show them that, that God really is the truth, and then go to Jesus the way, the truth, and life. But it, it really just depends. Like, there's no cookie cutter way to do um, evangelism, talking to people. Um, and, and like Riley said, it can be intimidating when you're going out and just just talking to people. And it also helps if you go two by two. That's how Jesus sent sent out the people. And it's good to have a discipline of evangelism, not just as you go. That's you should evangelize as you go, but you need to evangelize disciplined. You need to go and do it. You need to have structured times with your church, with your friends, where you go out two by two. And, and it was a very fruitful time for us. I mean, so many of the students learned what it is to see hope sprout in hearts and, and see what truth can do. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, we, we were passing out Bibles, but also in in passing, just walking between, because it was at the Indianapolis Convention Center. If any of you have ever been there, it's a large place. <laughs> Many places to put a gospel track. <laughs> so, and that's one where you just are really throwing it up to God. You're like, you are going to send the right person to go to Chick-fil-A at this moment, pass this track and be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to pick that up. That's one of those things that Troy has talked about. He's like, you might not be, as we mentioned earlier, someone with the gift of evangelism. And, like, talking to people is not everybody's strong suit. Like, my girlfriend, her talking to people in public might not be what she's best at. She's she's better in a one-on-one situation. She knows where where her like where to work i myself on the other hand i can talk to anybody generally about anything so if talking to people might not be your strong suit if you have these tracks which um kinzer would you know where to like point them to to get the tracks like where they can even view kind of tracks Um, yeah um one one that i really like is called experiencing god's grace Mm -hmm. it's produced by timothy booker Mm -hmm. um from southern seminary Mm -hmm. um there's there's more kind of like comic book styles called chick tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are, are pretty good. Some of them kind of water down the gospel yeah. sometimes. But that experiencing God's grace, um, if you go to 
um, crossway.com. Uh, they have some really good tracks you can purchase. Um, but if you come to Hanover Baptist Church, we can equip you with, with tracks. And, and again, that's the seed planting. Yeah. And what I was getting at with that, like, Troy, you go try on clothes, try on jackets, stick them in jacket pockets. Everybody has to go to the bathroom at some point, especially in public places. Stick them in the bathroom. Stick them, like, you can stick them in, he's even told me, like, stick them in door handles on cars. I remember when I worked at the gym, I came back one day after I got off of a shift, and underneath of my windshield wiper, Troy had stopped by and put one of the tracks down there. It, mm. It's simple as that because it's going to draw someone's attention to it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like Riley said earlier, it, whether or not they accept it at that point in time, it's not your responsibility, but God's going to do a work in them at that point, and it's going to stay with them. They're either going to accept it or not, but they're always going to have that memory yeah. of it. Exactly. it's definitely going to be beneficial for them. Yeah, and, and back to that idea that God is the one that gives the growth. <laughs> We're just the planters. Um, I had a professor who, who said, we are not soil inspectors. We're not judging, well, that person at the Comic-Con mm-hmm. who's dressed up like a crazy person, who's a les- who identifies as a lesbian, mm-hmm. who is an atheist, they would never come to God. Mm-hmm. Now, my conservative friend who's been to church a few times and is willing to talk to me, that, that person is more likely to come to faith. Well, according to God, he doesn't see outward appearances and social identities. He, he sees the heart. And if God changes the heart, like... There's no different, like, <laughs> um, all, we're, we're to share the gospel, proclaim the gospel mm-hmm. to all. And I mean, the, our, Troy, who um, Alex is just talking about, who dresses up like Mr. Clean and does these things, he has this same story. He was a guy that was, like, had doing all kinds of crazy things, like drugs, alcohol, like, anger issue. Like, he, he will tell you his, his testimony, and he had people preaching to the gospel to him, sharing the gospel, and he thought they were crazy, and he hated them. But yet, whenever God um, saved him, he went back in his mind and heart to the time when someone had preached the gospel to him, and he was saved through the word of God. So, don't ever ins- be a soil inspector and say, well... That person's not really worthy of the gospel. Well, if that were true, no one would hear the gospel because no one is worthy exactly. of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just one of those things. I mean, it, it's scary. Like, I remember when Troy like posed the, like proposed the idea. He's like, "Hey, we're gonna go do this," and it's kind of like, "Hold up, you want to go into like probably one of the most hostile territories a Christian could step foot in, and you think you are gonna be able to do this?" And it's like he's like. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, this is where God's called me. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, when God calls us to go somewhere, we answer, we respond, mm-hmm. we do as we're told mm-hmm. in that regard. I mean, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, he's doing it and it is it is our responsibility, but it always goes back. It's, it's you're never going to be the person that's going to bring someone to Christ. Only, only, only God can do that. Mm-hmm. But you can be part of the reason that God had the open doorway mm. to get into their heart. Mm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the easiest way to think about it. You can create the doorway. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's this privilege, you know. Not only is it a command, but it's first, like, 
are you kidding me? Mm. I get to be a part of bringing someone into the kingdom. Mm. And like, just think about in heaven, how you will get to meet people that you preached to, that you talked to, and they're there because God used you in that way. Um, yeah, so at the end of, end of the day, it's it's not this podcast, what we're talking to you about isn't like, you must evangelize and just like beating this dead horse, but it's it's like, this is a great privilege. This is like the most amazing thing you can do to proclaim good news. Your news, it's new things for people. Like, it's the first, this might be the first time they've heard that God has sent a sacrifice to pay for their sins and that they can be saved by repenting and trusting in what Jesus did. Um, it's it's kind of funny to think about. I think it was last week you and I were talking in the gym and you were telling me the story. I think it was out in Colorado or Oklahoma and the woman looking for a cross necklace mm-hmm. and the kid said, do you want the one with the little man hanging on it? Not realizing that, that that's Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. Like There are some people that don't have a clue yeah. like the story of Christ. And so, yes, you might walk into a hostile territory like Kinzer and Riley did, but you also might see someone <coughs> in a Walmart or on the street who has no clue, mm-hmm. and God might be, like, sitting there just being like, hey, I need you to go talk to them. Well, like, as hard as it may be to understand, like, there are some people who don't even know who Jesus is, like, mm-hmm. as a concept. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's just... You just encountered yeah. that at your work. Yeah, a few weeks at my ago, work, yeah. there was a lady who, on a Good Friday, she didn't know why we were, or she didn't even know that we were off. So then, an atheist. This is the funny part. An atheist told her, "Okay, it's Good Friday," and she's like, "Well, what's Good Friday?" And it's like, "Oh, you know, like Jesus died and rose, or died on Good Friday." And they're like, "Who's Jesus?" It's like. An atheist sat there and explained to this unknowing person who Jesus was. So God God just used that. <laughs> Some and, irony right there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Some people just don't even know who Jesus is. So it's like... Yeah. Wow. And kind of in closing here with this podcast today, like, Kinsey and I have talked about this, and I think it was about a year ago, one of the first times, like, I regularly saw him in the gym just because we had went at different times, but we were just talking about like ourselves before we came to Christ. And it's like, you think about the way you used to live and the way you are now. And, and you look at these people that you in a situation like this mm. and you're like, you might think there's no way that they're ever going to come to Christ. But then like, I sit there and I think about that version of myself yeah. that wanted to live for me, that wanted to do what I wanted to do. It wanted to be all by my terms but now, when I think about it, I'm like, how did I go so many years, like 20 plus years without me professing Christ as my Lord and Savior to people and, and just wanting to talk about it? And it's, this, it's like Micah Tyler talks about it in his song. It's like, it's a, there's a joy inside of me. He's like, I'm going to talk about it. Like, it, no matter what, it's like, it's a gift that I have. And now, I mean, we should all try to evangelize. We should all talk about it. It's like you say, if you can have a conversation with someone and it lasts an hour and you haven't brought up God once or Christ once or Bible, the Bible one time, you need to rethink about how you were talking. Like you need to probably fix that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like it fills you with joy even Mm -hmm. more to pour into someone else. Like 
uh, C.S. Lewis would say that like joy is not fulfilled until you see it being enacted in someone else. Like whenever you go and watch a baseball game, like you you love to have the fans, you love to have people enjoying the the sport. Um, and same way with the gospel, you you long for that joy and contentment in Christ and the power to live holy like you long because holiness brings joy and satisfaction in God and you long for that for others and you long for eternal life Um, and actually just this past weekend uh, or past through this last week Riley and I went to a conference called Together for the Gospel and we learned a lot and uh, next week we're going to discuss that and uh, offer any um, biblical encouragement we can um, from what we learned there. Um, you, got, you guys got anything else to add to the podcast today? No. Well, we will see you guys next week on next week's episode of Echoing Christ Podcast.